You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback, and preview Monday Night Football between the Patriots and the Dolphins. Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Vikings legend and Pro Football Hall of Famer, John Randall. John, as always, we appreciate the time. And before we talk about the Vikings, let's start with this outstanding show. We watch it every week on Football Life on NFL Network. What was your reaction when you found out you'd be featured on the program? Uh, First of all, thank you guys for having me. Uh, My first reaction was, I thought it was uh, unbelievable. I thought it was untrue. I thought it was a joke that... Someone wanted to do a story about my life and that they found it, uh, found enough information that would make it uh, for an hour show about my life. John, when you, you think about your life, and, and of course you're not going to give too much information because it is yours, but the, 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 the times and the parts and, and the moments that you did give, um, what do we have to look forward to to find out a lot more about you other than the black paint you had on your face and, and a lot of noise you made when it came between the plays? Uh, <laughs> well, I guess one of the amazing things was uh, that uh, where I grew up at was basically like an old plantation uh, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a small town. And, uh, you know, it was uh, the, the hardships that I, I grew up with, I didn't really realize that they were that hard. And uh, the, the people that you meet along your, your journey in life, how much they really do impact you. And uh, I just really never realized that uh, so many people that I had, uh, who had touched my life throughout my career. And uh, you know, from the coaches, uh, the players, uh, friends and family. And, uh, you know, it's, it's to, for me, kind of put it in the term to say that uh, how much, my mom, a female who played such a big part of me and has, even though she's no longer with us, but she's still, I feel as if she's still on a journey with me and continues to, to, to follow me on this journey. Hall of Famer John Randall is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. John, as we focus on your path to the pros, you were undrafted coming out of Texas A&M, Kingsville. How much did that motivate you when you got to the NFL? Oh, that was a big motivation, uh, you know, because I didn't really believe that I could – put it this way, I, I believed that I belonged in the National Football League, but I didn't think I would play and start for 13 years and, and never saw myself as a, a starter. But uh, – you know, going out on the field every day, and even in practice, I wanted to give the impression that I belonged. And uh, I, I attacked practice almost as hard as I attacked the games and to where I, I wanted to make a, a, just, a, just to be a fact and just to be a guy out there that never let my teammates down to, to where you, you wanted to make big plays in practice. And I wanted to make big plays in the game. And I always saw myself as, as being a leader, but not the vocal leader as most people saw me as, but being a leader, leader by being a hardworking person, which come, goes back to where I grew up. 
John, when you, you think of all of that and, and you, you can sum it up to say um, once you started playing football, you know, you just wanted probably to do that just to get away from all the things that were you around and you can kind of allow that energy inside of you to, to be controlled within white lines and have fun doing it. Um, right. And then all of a sudden yeah. you end up wearing a yellow jacket. You know, yes. so how do you take everything that you've accomplished and achieved in the game of football, then all of a sudden getting the ultimate goal, individual accolade, which is a yellow jacket, into life to where how do you now start all over to start fighting that fight to be as successful doing it too as well? Oh, my God. For, for, for wearing that yellow jacket, I mean, uh, it, to, to every day part of life was things I learned from football. You know, one of the most, uh, the easiest things I always tell guys is, is time. And you always, for anything you do in, in this, on this earth, always be on time. Never be late. I mean, for 14 years, I was never late one time. Never late. So even now, working with the NFL Legends program, and when I'm working with retired players and, and then incoming guys into the National Football League, the first thing I tell them is all about time. Always be early. Always show up early because you never know what you might what might happen by you being early. But I take the the, the other things of, of qualities I've learned from football of of the commitment to it of committing to something, sticking with it to the everyday task of even telling my my kids about uh, about your success of, of being on the field and off the field of every day is treating people with respect and and just taking a little time out and just saying hi to people and, and always uh, just little things like having a smile on my face and just appreciating what the, uh, say God or what the world has offered me and, and my family to never forget that. And, uh, you know, it's just so many little things that I've learned from the game of football and that I use every day in, in, in my walks of life. And, uh, I mean, it's just so many things of like I tell guys that, you know, it's just not about how you play the game, but it's how you treat people who are around the game because the contacts that you meet while you're playing football would definitely help you in the day-to-day parts of where you never know where that relationship may develop or may grow into. Chatting with the Hall of Famer John Randall, who will be profiled on A Football Life on NFL Network on Friday night. Definitely check it out, must-see TV. John, let's talk about the evolution of the NFL with all the changes to protect quarterbacks. Do you think you'd have to alter your style if you were playing right now? Uh, of course, I would definitely would. Uh, you know, the, the game is, is, is more uh, protected, which is definitely good for the players because I, you know, and I see it as almost where we want the players to come into the game and leave the game almost in the same state of just of just trying to protect them because uh, you know we we know the overall health of of the football players as they as they retire is is not so good but uh, protecting the players I think is a number one objective and uh, of course you I would have changed my game and uh, I, I wouldn't be able to to grab the guards like I used to when the guards are trying to pull another way I would have to change my game but uh, but it's still a great game. It's a, it's a game that can it, it gives people three to four hours of relief from their normal day-to-day stressful lives, and it's a game that changes people's lives from from uh, from poverty to uh, to success. And uh, it's a game that uh, has given us so much history, connecting grandfathers with their grandkids, of watching players play at 
and uh, having that connection and having those stories. And I think it's a game that we've got to protect and, and keep it for the future. You talked about history, John, and the Minnesota Vikings, the way they've been playing as of lately, uh, are really trend, trending in the right direction, but had a hiccup against the Carolina Panthers. Tell me, what you, from what you saw in that game, tell me what you think this team needs to do in order for this type of game to to show its ugly face again, because now that it's the last part of the season, they have to win the next game yeah. uh, to win a division, but most importantly, getting into the postseason. How can they take it to the next level if they want to go and take it to a championship? Well, Cordell, you and I both know, you know this game is all about staying healthy, and especially this time of the year. I always say this time of year uh, that players should, uh, for their Christmas list, is to wish for to stay healthy, because uh, for our offensive linemen, you know, we went in the game, didn't have a center. We didn't have one tackle. Then we ended up losing the other tackle. And you know when you, you can't, when you take a guard and you move a guard out to a, a tackle position, he's not ready for that because that, that position playing tackle is different from the guard. The guard, you, you have a tackle in the center next to you. When you're playing that left tackle and right tackle, usually there's no tight end out there. It's just you uh, out on the island. But for us, we've got to definitely strengthen our offensive line and and uh, start there. That's where we definitely got to start. And once we start getting our offensive line together, it's when it's the next thing is when when the ball is thrown to you, you got to catch that ball because th- those those uh, when you that, you saw it in the game, those missed passes, man. That that's crucial when you play a team like Carolina because those drop passes, man. That that gives the ball right back to them, gives them another opportunity to advance down the football field and. When you play a team like Carolina and Cam Newton, you know when, when Cam Newton builds upon that, when he has some, a little bit of success, man, he's the type of quarterback that it, 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 just, it just goes out to the rest of the team. And you can just see him as he started getting that little smile on his face, how more, that's more, more confident he got. And, but the last piece for us is for our defense, we can't let uh, have little plays like that with just giving that up that – First quarter, letting what uh, was it Stewart run up the middle and, and score that touchdown on it. That that really kind of uh, kind of really put us in a, in a hole. John, last one for me. And you were being comprehensive because the Vikings have such a complete team. Do you see a major weakness on this show last week? We were talking about their ability to rally if they had to. And yesterday they came back and then they allowed Cam Newton mm-hmm. to make that game changing play. I think the weakness for us is, is probably on the road. Uh, it's probably one of our, our, our probably we'll say our, uh, weakness because when we play at home, uh, our momentum and, and fan base is so strong. But I think since we're kind of a, a, of a very young team, once we go on the road, we really have not figured out how really to overcome that. We've had success. Don't get me wrong, we've had success on the road. But I think that's our weakness is learning how to – take that momentum from home and take it on the road and take that confidence. And because you can kind of see how we started out so slow in that first quarter where we were still trying to find ourselves. And I think for us as a team wise, we've got to come out there in the first quarter and, and, and basically come out and come out strong and, and, and echo that by letting uh, from special teams on to the offense through the defense. John, always a pleasure to check in with you. You've become something of a semi-regular, our second conversation over the span of the last <laughs> month. Look forward to seeing you in person on Radio Road, the Super Bowl in Minnesota, and looking forward to watching your football life on NFL Network Friday night. Thank you, John. Thank you guys for having me. 
You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. It's a touchdown! Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. It's time for my partner to let loose as we find out who he wants to metaphorically slash. Cordell Stewart earned the nickname of Slash for his sensational versatility on the field, playing quarterback and wide receiver at a very high level. But that moniker also brings another dimension, a competitive edge that won't settle for losing. So if you are favorite team is underachieving Cordell is ready to present solutions. Buckle up your chin strap because a coaching staff and some key players are about to get slashed Cordell you could take this in a variety of directions in Cleveland 0-13 for the second consecutive year. Where do you want to start? Hmm. Sean Kaiser? Cleveland Browns? What do you think? How about this Cleveland Browns football team really had an opportunity to seal the deal against one of the NFC's most loved, beloved teams with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. But of course, we know he wasn't in the game, but he is the guy that really makes it, the things tick there in that community. I don't care if he's on the, on the roster starting or not, uh, but you have a tendency to have a lot of, uh, of great memories about what goes on with that organization. Uh, overall in general with championships and the Vince Lombardi trophy and all the great things that comes behind it when it comes down to strength and one, being one of uh, the most, let's just say, accomplished organizations in the National Football League. The Cleveland Browns, who was 0-12, had an opportunity to get another victory. And what did they end up doing? Squandering a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. Here's a football team that was 21-7 to going into the third quarter. Matter of fact, finishing the fourth, the third quarter and going into the fourth, allowing this team uh, in the Green Bay Packers to be able to come back and also get the victory by going in overtime. Deshaun Kaiser, I don't, I don't know how to add it up. You know, I don't know if it's just the inexperience of this football team. I don't know if they're, you know, I know we got GMs who was fired and we still have the same coach on the football team uh, in Hugh Jackson. But in my mind, man, when you have a lead like this, you know, it was a point in time in the game when Deshaun Kaiser actually was dropping back in the backfield and all of a sudden he ends up throwing his hand up in the air as if he was trying to wave it like he just didn't care. And I think he did because you know what ended up happening? Clay Matthews hit his elbow because he was trying to do some flukish play. He was off balance. He just threw the ball straight up in there in his interception and that's what ended up sealing the deal uh, for this team to lose the game, not win the game, but lose the game. I, I literally thought for the first time in a while that I was going to end up seeing this football team actually end up getting, I would, I would have called it probably one of the biggest victories they've had in an extremely long time. But you know what? Because of their inability to be consistent and to take care of the football, which they've been having a problem with all year, end up costing this football game. Hunley, who we know end up having a good game yesterday, not turning it over at all, having a chance to go out and throw three touchdowns and not throw a single interception. But Kaiser, he had three touchdowns. And he ended up giving up 
two times, only two sacks for five yards. And, and you know what, man? I was so prepared to, to be excited for this team. I was so excited to be, ex, be ex, ecstatic for this organization. Hugh Jackson finally getting his second victory in 20, 25-plus games. You know what? I'm slashing Hugh Jackson and also Deshaun Kaiser because of their inability thought he was the whisperer when it came to the quarterbacks. He's whispering, all right. It seemed like Deshaun Kaiser's not listening to anything because he's steadily making mistakes. I don't know what the problem is in Cleveland, but I tell you what, those little puppies they have in the end zone, they used to call it the dog pound, those puppies. They need to figure it out and throw some batteries over at the guys on their sideline. The soft ones, not the hard ones. The fake ones, even some bones. Give them something to eat because they're really struggling right now. And I, and I, that was the closest I think they've gotten. That's the closest they've gotten, I, I would say where you look like it looked like they really had total control of the game to get in the win. Sounds crazy, but you want to feel excited. We saw when the San Francisco 49ers team beat the Giants in San Francisco. You saw how excited that organization was about that one victory. I mean, my goodness, I think the Cleveland Browns had a better chance of winning that game than the 49ers did against the Giants. And you thought the 49ers won the Super Bowl a few weeks ago when beating that team there out in, 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 in San Francisco. So, you know, I'm slashing Deshaun Kaiser as well as Hugh Jackson because of their inability to being able to close for being able to close the deal. And he's the quarterback whisperer. My thing, he needs to start yelling just a little bit. He needs to project, as Brian Weber says. Weber with two Bs. Don't yell. Project. Because for some reason, Deshaun Kaiser is not listening. Don't turn the football over. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Out of moment. Thank you. Nothing wrong with projecting and broadcasting to a global audience. Here's what's coming up. A home date against the Ravens for the Browns. We know the Baltimore really needs that game to enhance their wildcard possibilities coming off that crazy loss last night to the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. Then the Browns go to Chicago. Well, the Bears looked tremendous yesterday in a comprehensive win over Cincinnati, although to me that was the latest indictment of the Bengals, and I'm not rooting for anyone to lose their job, especially during the holiday season, but it's time for a coaching change. Marvin Lewis is no longer delivering an effective message to his players. Then the Browns go to Pittsburgh. The only small glimmer of hope, in my view, for Cleveland could be Steelers might already have their seating locked up. They could rest their starters like they did a year ago. But remember, that game featured Landry Jones in the regular season finale. The Browns took it overtime and were unable to pick up the victory. Cordell, we talked about this a lot in detail last week, but the audience is always changing. A week ago, when we found out that the GM of the Browns, Sashi Brown, had lost his job, replaced by John Dorsey, veteran, player personnel executive, most recently the GM in Kansas City, Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, issued a press release saying that Hugh Jackson not only is keeping his job for the remainder of this year, Hugh's coming back next year. But if you're John Dorsey, don't you want to follow conventional wisdom that says every GM wants, quote-unquote, his guy as the head coach, and if Hugh goes 0-16, how in the world do you bring him back? Well, we heard that same thing in, out there in L.A. with the Rams, right, when it came down to Coach Fisher, uh, that he's safe, he's good, oh, he's no problem. Matter of fact, he even said it himself, and what happened the next week? He's fired. Uh, I, I tell you what, you know, you can have that conversation before the season ends about a coach coming back. And when you start looking at when that, that conversation starts, it's like the last quarter of the season, the last four games, that you have left to play, um, you know, you end up hearing an owner uh, say that, you know, certain guys are safe. But when you have a loss like that, and sometimes it leaves a taste in your mouth that is just so bitter and so bad, sometimes you go against, um, you know, certain things that you may have said 
along the way. And I, I think this may be one in my mind when it comes to the Cleveland Browns for Hugh Jackson, where that may change a little bit. Somebody, someone may be, I think, lingering somewhere on the, on a, in the organization that may be on a on the, on the, on the brink of maybe leaving their assistant coaching coaching position uh, to having a chance to to maybe become a head coach because that what I saw from Hugh Jackson yesterday that is not worthy of keeping a job to be honest with you I mean that is that is a definition of a team completely collapsing we understand losses you're in the trenches you come down to the bitter end you've been going back and forth like the Steelers game we had a chance to see last night going back and forth back and forth back and forth like the song say back back forth and forth that kind of stuff and, and all of a sudden you know if, if you come out victorious somebody has to win this football team I saw with Cleveland yesterday I honestly will say I thought they finally got themselves a win and all of a sudden you lose to that in that dramatic fashion to me I think that that, that sentiment of someone uh, or a coach coming back the next year has to be reevaluated because now you're wondering if the message was lost during the game if the message has been lost throughout the entire season and what's going to happen moving forward in these next three games along with next season when it comes to the message so it's like you have to get to the bottom of it because every coach every owner has a meeting with their players and their coaching staff and my question is when that meeting is had with Hugh Jackson in the front office it's going to be like you know we said we're going to keep you so you know I just want to tell you next year is a, I don't know if that I don't know if you can look him in the eye and honestly have that type of a conversation I just don't see it happen. Not with that, what we saw yesterday. Man, I don't know if it's a prison of being a prison of the moment because I, I, I very seldom get into that mode. I try to stay as if it's Thursday of the week as opposed to Monday fresh off of uh, a, a Sunday's game or, or whatever. Dramatic finishes like we saw yesterday with Jacksonville and, 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 and Seattle and that game and Pittsburgh and, and, and Baltimore last night. Uh, to Kansas City getting a good win, to Dallas going on. I mean, that. I, but I, I try my best to not do that. And I don't want, I'm not going to do it now. I may project a little bit more now because, yeah, it is something I think that needs to be looked into. But it's hard for me to think that that last meeting will be one where you're coming back next year after that loss. And if it doesn't get corrected moving forward, because it's how you lose that sometimes determines if you can keep your job, even if it was said that he's not going anywhere. It's how you lose. It's not so much losing because everyone's going to lose. The Rams lost yesterday to Philly. Phenomenal game in the NFC. Absolutely phenomenal game. Unfortunately, end up losing one of our better players in the game in his young career. And Carson went to an ACL tear and out for the rest of the season. But phenomenal games. Absolutely phenomenal games. And some games that had, had a tremendous amount of tra- dramatization in them. And that was one, I think, that's probably at the top. But then some come back and say, you know what? Because it was the Cleveland Browns, what else do you expect? That's bullcrap. This team was up 21-7, and you can't finish. And you mean to tell me Hugh Jackson is not going to have that contested conversation in that meeting? I know I would. I would make sure, I, 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 if I was the owner of that football team, I would want to make sure that the right mindset was, was, was in that seat coming for next season. I'm not saying that Hugh Jackson is not trying. I'm not saying that. But if this is steadily happening at some point in time, you don't want to wait till the middle of next season. Why do that to the players? If it's going to be done, do it after this season, move on to the next one. Hugh Jackson will get him another job. 
it just cannot be with the Cleveland Browns as the head coach going into the 2018 season. Cleveland playing in the AFC, but to me it's all about the ABCs. Always be closing. The Browns unable to finalize once more. Let's go from a negative quarterbacking performance put together by Deshaun Kaiser in Cleveland to a brilliant game by Dak Prescott. And consider all the emotion that was on display at the outset of that game between the Cowboys and the Giants at the Meadowlands. The return of Eli Manning to the starting lineup got that standing ovation. Giant Nation got what they were looking for, and Eli played poorly. Couple picks. Sean Lee really gave that defense a massive list for the Cowboys. But let's talk about Dak Cordell because I've been critical of his inability to be productive without Ezekiel Elliott. Well, he proved me and a lot of people wrong yesterday. He was sensational. Statistically, one of the best games of his career. 332 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and Dallas still very much alive in the extended wildcard conversation in the NFC. Yeah, when it comes down to Dak Prescott, as I've, I've, as I've said about him last year, uh, unfortunately for him, he didn't have Ezekiel Elliott and Sean Lee was out. Um, and to ask him to just take it over like that, I think sometimes can be tough on some players, and, and, and it can can sometimes not be tough. Uh, but I think he's endured a lot this year uh, when it comes down to not having everyone that he wants to have around him or need to have around him to allow him to have the balance that they need. But I tell you what, when you get some great runs uh, from a from a Des Bryant who turned in turned a nice little slant route into something really good, something we hadn't seen from him in a long time. It's the yards after the catch uh, for a touchdown in that game to seeing Rod Smith. Thought Dak Prescott did a phenomenal job of seeing a certain front moving Rod Smith from out of the backfield, putting him in the slot to the X receiver side, which was the one receiver side. Saw some blitzing coming, end up throwing Rod Smith a slant. Before you know it, he took it to a house for a huge, a huge gain. And then you had a chance to see Jason Witten, arguably some of the better hands throughout that organization's history as far as catches are concerned and how he catches and how he does it over his career. He's done it better than most, second to none throughout throughout the National Football League, unfortunately for him, hadn't had an opportunity yet, key word, yet, to play, in, in, uh, to get a win in the postseason, let alone, uh, well, into the postseason, get to a championship, let alone having a chance to win one. Uh, I thought that was a tremendous game by him as well. Dak Prescott, as you mentioned, uh, the offensive line did a phenomenal job against this Giants team that was allegedly energized because you saw the throwback Giants uniforms, which was my favorite uniforms with the white face mask, going all the way back to Phil Sims and company and how they were looking. And then the Dallas Cowboys, they had their throwback unis on, on the road, playing against the Giants. Um, I thought Ezekiel, Ezekiel, I thought Dak, Dak Prescott and the boys with the stars did an absolutely marvelous job, especially Dak. A uh, long time coming uh, when it came down to him being able to have one of those types of games. I think you spelled it out correctly. 20 of 23, 322, 3 TDs, no, no INTs, no sacks. Uh, and I think because of that, that's what helped this football team play well. And you talked about Sean Lee. I thought his presence alone with some hits that he was making, I said, this kid is back. And you know what? It made the NFC become even more interesting now because there's so many teams that's at the very top when it comes down to uh, having good records, whether it comes down to having eight wins on their roster to, to nine wins and even having 10 wins, uh, maybe even 11. It's, it's pretty darn tremendous. And, and um, 
it's going to be a tight race to the end, and it's going to take every team to play their best football moving forward to have a chance. And I think the Dallas Cowboys, they might be right on the cutting edge. That loss with Seattle yesterday and also the Rams, uh, I think you had a chance to see Minnesota. Minnesota is fine. I don't think they fall out of anything. They just fell from the first spot to the second spot. Uh, but the Dallas Cowboys have to finish really, really strong. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. We end up seeing a, a Detroit Lions team squeak out a victory. Yep, one with a against, field goal in the final seconds at Tampa Bay. Against Tampa Bay. Uh, we saw that. We saw Green Bay get a win, which now makes that division even crazy. So look, let's just look at this for a half a second. You have two divisions right now where three teams are fighting for their playoff lives, let alone we kind of have an idea who's going to win both divisions, but you can't say that in one. You can you can say Minnesota's going to win that division, but you can't say who's going to win in the division in the NFC South. But there's three teams within it, as just as the NFC North, when it comes down to Detroit, Packers, Minnesota, and then now all of a sudden you have the South with New Orleans, Carolina, and also the Falcons. Those are two divisions right there where you know for sure that there's going to be an opportunity for one of those teams, for one of those divisions, maybe both, to maybe end up representing, for the sake of conversation, the wild cards. And that may leave Dallas on the outside looking in. So they need some help. A great win for Carolina, which they just made the the runnings for that that, that spot, the wild card spot, a little murkier. Um, but great win for them. But you have obviously... Um, that Carolina Panthers team that have to finish well throughout their division. Um, they lost two times to the New Orleans Saints, so I think the Saints get that edge. But the Saints got to take care of their business against the Atlanta Falcons to shore up that division. Uh, but Detroit, look at look at look at Green Bay, look at Minnesota and L yesterday. It, it's so Dallas going to have it tough. Even Seattle's going to have it tough. Well, because the Rams are coming to Seattle on Sunday. They're going to have it tough. And, and so to say, the, say they split that Seattle needs to get this win, I think, to keep themselves in contention of getting into the postseason. They have to because they end up beating a team like the Rams, who is who is the leading team in that division. But um, And what's crazy is both those teams lost yesterday. That's what makes it so crazy. Both those teams. Just imagine if Seattle wins and the Rams loses then where does that put Seattle? I'll Seattle obviously may have a half a game or so ahead right. of the Rams. If Seattle wins out, they win the division because they've already beaten the Rams on the road in Southern go. California. So if they get that win yesterday, they end up being maybe a half a game to a full game ahead of the Rams with them losing to Philadelphia. So that loss cost Seattle a little bit more than I would say it ended up costing the Rams, but all they have to do is just beat the Rams the next time. And, and, and as you mentioned, they'll be uh, ahead of the curve on that one. So yesterday was phenomenal football and and teams that are winning that were supposed to lose, uh, they end up winning to teams that were supposed to win. They lost. Uh, the game last night I thought was a great way to go to sleep and wake up and talk about football and go through the recap process of watching Good Morning Football, ESPN, and all that great stuff. Uh, and listen to all the guys on all the networks giving their opinions. I mean, coming off of that game last night, let's just say all day to finishing up last night to get into right now with also what we have moving forward for tonight. Football couldn't get any better in the month of December right now. So pretty ecstatic about it. It was good. But Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott and the boys with the stars and coming back, baby. But you know what? They're going to need some help. And that's why you play the game. But in two weeks, you can do your normal proclamation. I can't yell coming off seven hours on a Sunday. Let me help you. Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Because Elliott's coming back in two weeks. You want to do it yourself? I stole it from you. Please, please. You try to steal my... 
Tatum, and you want to steal my Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, the boys with the stars. Come on, man. That's mine. Don't mess with it. I know you trademarked it. When I do, it's an homage to you, a tribute. (laughs) Zeke is on his way back. Here's what's coming up for the Cowboys. Sunday Night Football, on the road at Oakland. We're going to talk about the Raiders' issues that were exposed again yesterday in a tough loss in terms of just not having really anything that stood out positively for the Silver and Black on the road in Kansas City. Then the Cowboys host Seattle. That game will be highlighted by the return of Ezekiel Elliott. And the Cowboys wrap up the regular season on the road to Philadelphia. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about Philadelphia maybe resting their starters because they'd have the top seed locked up. Well, everything changed yesterday. Despite beating the Rams, they lost. Carson Wentz to the torn ACL. So, Cordell, since I mentioned it's the Cowboys and the Raiders coming up on Sunday Night Football, what'd you take away from another challenging game, not only for the Raiders, but a quarterback in the preseason that we put in the MVP conversation. Derek Carr was blunt postgame. He said, put this on me. I sucked. That was the quote. Two picks. What's gone wrong for the Raiders this year? Well, I think they put too much on Derek Carr's plate in thinking that he was the answer, in my opinion. I mean, you know, you mentioned Derek Carr, and and I know he had a good year last year. And, you know, it's amazing how when someone gets tape on you, how things changes over a year. Um... You know, he's got the big deal, and and you know how it works. Everybody automatically, psychologically assume that the player game game has elevated as much as his pockets did. Uh, I know we saw some of that from uh, Matthew Stafford um, and and how he's been playing. Uh, I thought, I think he's been playing well. I mean, look at the right foot, look at the right hand. The guy is still capable of getting it done. Uh, It's pretty darn tremendous. Let's just be honest about it. but I got I got I got to call it like it is. I don't know if Derek Carr is is what everyone thinks he is, you know. And maybe I get caught up into the matrix of what I saw last year as well. Uh, but what has he done to, to be put in that topic of conversation, like the like the elite quarterbacks that I think have been playing on a consistent basis? That's people like, in my opinion, the Carson Wentz's of the world, um, and I mean doing it to the point where it sticks out like a sore thumb. The Drew Breeses, even the Jared Goffs, even the Dak Prescotts, even the Cam Newtons, the Russell Wilsons, okay? The Matt, Matt Ryans who struggled, but you know what his DNA is. You know him. I don't think Derek Carr has played efficient enough throughout his career other than last year to allow him to be in that category. And of course, because he's gotten the money that he's gotten, you automatically want to thrust him into that, into that world. And uh, it's getting to the point where the jury is out, I, I think, on a Derek Carr. You hit him enough, uh, you get to him quick enough, you play those man coverage. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't have an arm, and I'm not saying he can't play good football. But when you really start elevating players to a certain level, you have to look at the body of work. And yes, the body of work has allowed him to make some money. But is he in that top tier of quarterbacks, top 10 quarterbacks in the National Football League? I could look at the NFC right now. Carson Wentz, Golf, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Breezy, Rodgers, Russell Wilson. I might even throw in Case Tatum for the sake of conversation, but I'll leave that for down the road. Right now is not the time to throw in it. I just gave you what? Two, four, six, seven guys. And then I haven't even gone to the AFC. Well, you have Tom Brady. You have Ben Roethlisberger. Who else am I missing in the AFC? Um, You can even throw Alex Smith in that conversation, to be honest with you. I know it sounds crazy, and they're tearing off their multiple uh, uh, runs of of losses. How about you got Phillip Rivers putting up huge numbers with Keenan Allen in L.A.? 
a guy who I end up saying is going to end up winning that division. And I'm sticking to it. I'm not changing it. I said, we got to watch out for the lightning bolts. They're on their way. Said it four weeks ago. Now everybody wants to talk about it as if it's the gospel. No, I was whispering it at first because I didn't want to catch on to what I was talking about. But guess what? You know it now because we've seen it. We're watching it. And it's pretty darn good right now. So I'm just wondering, why are we steadily having that conversation as if he's in the upper echelon of quarterbacks and the upper echelon to me is the top 10 guys? I'm not going to say the elite because that gets down to the top three, maybe top five. But I'm going to say the top 10. Top, the upper, the upper, the upper room, a group of guys. That, 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 and I don't think he falls in that category. You could put Phillip Rivers in there because he has been steady, as I say all the time, steadily steady on a consistent basis. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things for me. Big bucks, no whammies in the pockets for sure, but can't do it on the football field on a consistent basis to allow it to, to translate into a, a playoff win. Maybe, maybe. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Long count. Matthews got it. Wants to throw. Looks right. Comes middle. Throws. It is caught. Take five. Take two. Take one. To the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Hi, Lions fans. It's me, Tori Petrie. Hey, it's me, Lomas Brown here. We're the hosts of the Tori and Lomas podcast right here on TuneIn. found the angle to the house, and the Lions are right back in it. Tune in on Wednesdays as we break down the Lions' last game and preview the game coming up. We'll see you there. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on today's top headlines with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, as always, we appreciate the time. Let's start in Philadelphia with the devastating injury news. Carson Wentz, done for the year, torn ACL. How far do you think the Eagles can go now with Nick Foles under center? He certainly knows the system. Do you think he can lead them to the Super Bowl? You know what? I I still think this Philly team is a really good football team, D-Web. Even though Carson Wentz brings a different dynamic, he's totally different than what Nick Foles is, but I still believe – this is the reason why they went out and they, you know, got Nick Foles again. They drafted him, obviously, and then he, he left and came back. And I think he's a capable guy who can get it done. Played a lot of time in his football, in his National Football League. He's done and he's played well. He's had his season where, obviously, he didn't play well. Um, but I think he's capable of doing it. And I, I think they just have to tailor things to what Nick Foles does well. And obviously, the run game has to be a big part of that. Uh, good thing you went on and got a Jai, and you know, you still got Blunt and all those guys who can make some plays for you. Aguilar, you have to step up his game a little bit more. But I think defensively is where it gives you the chance. I know because they've been scoring points and they've been doing well offensively, that leads to sometimes good defenses. But I think this defense has done a great job of turning people over uh, to get after you defensively, and they're only giving up 19, 20 points a game. So this is a defense that can you know, take you deeper in the playoffs. I'm not sure if they're – a Super Bowl team now without Carson Wentz, but I do believe they can win a few games in the playoffs and make things very interesting going forward. Let's go within the NFC South. Uh, Carolina ended up coming away with a, a huge victory against Minnesota, caused that team to play a little uncharacteristic in comparison to what they've done all year, defensively giving up big plays, offensively not converting, creating turnovers. When you see that after watching that game with New Orleans and the Atlanta Falcons, three turnovers by your quarterback and Matt Ryan, uh, how good is this Carolina Panthers team, or how much better should the Falcons get if they want to try to make a run to maybe even be the the wild card team within that division? 
You know, Corday, it's, it's, it's really it's kind of strange watching the two games in which how the Falcons played both these opponents. And obviously Minnesota came in Atlanta, played really well, shut down the offense, and, you know, didn't give up uh, but nine points. And then Carolina goes out, like you said, and puts up big points. Carolina is one of those teams that they look like they've been inconsistent, but in these big moments, in these big games, they end up coming up and playing really well. And the Falcons have – you know, coming up, obviously, they play Tampa, then you got New Orleans and Carolina. They have to step their game up, I think, to a different level offensively. The last couple of weeks, they haven't played up to the ability, haven't played up to the caliber. We talked about the three interceptions. Uh, one of them was just a bad, bad force uh, by Matt trying to get to Julio. The other one, he hits Austin Hooper in the chest, and the guy intercepts it. So uh, they've had some uncharacteristic things happen to them offensively, and it's kind of made them stall out. But the difference has been the defense. So I think the defense has won maybe three or four games this season off last possession game where they've come up big. And if they can continue to play at that level and then the offense finally finds a way to find itself in these last three games and they got a good chance of possibly beating all three of these teams going forward. It's going to be a tough task, especially playing New Orleans in New Orleans. And then also, you know, you get Carolina at the end of the year where it may mean everything in the division as well as making it to the playoffs. DJ Shockley, former Falcons quarterback, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. DJ, I believe in the power of this phrase. I'm going to come up with a T-shirt. I'm going to sell it on bweb.com. You are what you consistently do. For me, it's spewing hot takes. For Case Keenum, it's turning the football over. He gave it away three times yesterday on the road in Carolina. What's your view of Minnesota at this stage of the season? It's strange because you've seen Case Keenum – played really well this season then like you mentioned he had the uh, the big turnovers yesterday in the ball game and you say well this is a case team that everybody expected this is a case team that everybody expected to possibly come in here and win two or three games for you lose a couple games and not be able to step up and be the key component to what they do and over the fast fast few weeks the reason i think he's been pretty good is obviously taking care of the football but his defense has been really good and now you had to go you know, back and forth with Carolina, and they're moving football, they're scoring points, and now he gets into a situation where he has to force the ball a little bit more. He has to make more plays. He has to throw it downfield. Even versus the Falcons, he was 25 or 30. A lot of it was in between five yards, five and six yards, check down, throwing little hitches, throwing slants. When you play against a team like Carolina, who plays tons of man coverage and forces you to throw the football down the field, I think the real case Keenum kind of comes out. But I still believe Minnesota's a good football team. Carolina's a good football team. So I think that's, that just goes back and forth. And I still think they are one of the top teams in the NFC. Uh, but Kate Keenum has to go back to playing the style of football he played earlier in the year, but he can't play like he played yesterday. Give me a take about the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott being able to put up a, a phenomenal game, going 20 or 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns, no INTs. Des Bryant get a great run. We see Rod Smith uh, being shifted from the backfield to the slot position because he saw a certain front and there was a blitz. He ends up hitting him on the slant. He takes it to the house, and Jason Witten got involved too. Uh, give me your take on – and then Sean Lee, he's back in the game yeah. uh, playing right. really well. Give me your take on the direction of this team. Do you think they have a chance of getting into the postseason as a wild card? Yeah, I mean, they're playing at a high level as well. I mean, they're playing at a high level at the right moments. And you think about going to this game with the Giants. The Giants are down. You could easily play down to, you know, your competition, but they come out and all the stuff you just mentioned is what makes this team uh, and team that can go to the next level and win out and possibly get into that wild card spot. Obviously, some things have to happen for both sides, but Dak Prescott 
is a player that you know he will struggle at times, but he's going to find a way because of that competitive edge, because he wants to be great, to get everybody around him and get this system, get that offense moving in the right direction. And we know what it looks like when Sean Lee's out there. We know what this team looks like, especially defensively, how they play, how they get after people. And uh, usually they win a ton of ball games when he's in there directing that shift. So this is a Cowboys team that's peaking at the right moment. And if some things happen their way and some things happen uh, around the league, this could be a very dangerous team going into January when everything matters and going back to maybe feeding off what happened to them last year. With that experience, they got a good chance of being there right at the end with, as everybody else does. DJ, let's wrap it up with the playoff picture in the AFC. Coming off a quality win over Seattle, are you buying the possibility the Jaguars could be the third best team in that conference after the Steelers and Patriots are going to play this Sunday in Pittsburgh? A reminder, Jacksonville has a win over the Steelers this year. Yeah, and I think it all comes down to that defense as well. I know Blake Bortles played really well yesterday, but it comes down to that defense. We've talked about it all year long. They put a lot of money into that defense, the way they get after people. They put a lot of money into the style of players they want that's aggressive, uh, that plays with a little edge about them. And all the, all the antics that happen at the end of that ball game, you got some guys out there who are still fighting for each other. They're fighting for their teammates, even though they got the win and everything going on. This is a Jaguars team that if they find all the right – they hit all the right strides at the right time, they got a good chance uh, of being there as well. And if Blake Bortles can continue playing the way he played yesterday versus that style of defense, I know they're down a few guys, but if he continues to play that way, that makes them even more dangerous with that run game and that defense. They're going to be tough to beat. DJ, as always, we appreciate the insights. Remember, you are what you consistently do. In your case, it's provide tremendous information. Thank you, DJ. Well, B Web, you're awesome, man. I appreciate that, man. I got, I got, I, I will be your first customer on bweb.com. I'll put you oh, down for an XL as a former yeah. NFL player. That's our friend DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hey, this is Peter King from the MMQB. Listen to the NFL on TuneIn each Tuesday as I join Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart on NFL No Huddle. Over the shoulder, catch of the five, inside the pylon, touchdown! We'll cover the hottest storylines from around the league and preview each week's biggest games. So catch NFL No Huddle weekdays from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern, only on TuneIn. TuneIn is your home for the National Football League. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to go on the record with what we are more than sure is going to happen on Monday Night Football. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. It's 10 and 2 New England on the road at 5 and 7 Miami. Here's Bill Belichick on the details of the matchup. We're going to have to start all over again here. Can't pick up from where we left off. That's just not where we are. It's not what we're going to do. We just need to start all over again and have a good week, be ready to go here Monday night. It's a good football team. They have a lot of talent. It's an 11-point game in the fourth quarter, and they had the ball. But the game in the first game was really a lot closer than the score indicated, although the score was tight there in the fourth quarter until we made the stop on downs and 
you know, got the touchdown from on that last series. But good team, play hard, tough, explosive. Got a lot of big play players in all three phases of the game. It's a big, big challenge for us. Now let's hear from Jay Cutler on the challenge of facing the Patriots defense. I mean, I think it's the whole team in general. It's a very, very smart team, situationally aware. Uh, they do things the right way. I think they tackle well on defense. Their assignments are on point. I think he's notoriously taken away kind of your number one receiver. Makes you get to two and three. Makes you do things that are maybe a little bit out of your comfort zone. Cordell Patriots going after their ninth consecutive win, trying to wrap up the division title with a victory. Any chance they could be mortal and look past Miami because Pittsburgh's coming up on Sunday? Well, they have Pittsburgh's number already. Uh, They haven't lost uh, to Pittsburgh in good Lord knows how long, so I don't think that's the problem. I think it's just getting past this one game. Uh, They're not going to have Rob Gronkowski, but they have Chris Hogan back. Uh, Hopefully if there's no setbacks, but... Um, I don't think that changes anything in this team's approach, to be honest. So I'm, I'm sticking with the New England Patriots. I think they get this game. I think they win this game something like, let's say, 35-17. Ooh. Could get Grizzly be because one. we know beyond what's going on with Tom Brady, who did not have a touchdown pass last week in the victory of Buffalo. Patriot defense much improved. I'm with you. I think it's going to be lopsided, but a little bit closer. Patriots win. 28-17, and we'll break it down tomorrow. Enjoy the game. Back with you tomorrow on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.